Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Yay. Hey, this is Denise Michaels. And today is Monday, March 8th, 2021. I am here with Chris Moses, author of The Sane Manager. And... Uh, we are um, having some fun. Anyway, I got your books right here just in case I need to refer to them for what I'm working <laughs> on, you know, just in case. So anyway, but um, anyway, good. So performance management, let me go over to those notes over there and see what you said. Survive and Thrive, you ended up telling me uh, quite a bit about that idea of um of um, like taking on projects that are a little higher than your level. So, but we'll get into this other stuff you said about survive and thrive. Did you get the two chapters I sent you? The email. I, I, yeah, two pages. I like them. Just go through them pretty quick. I have all my fingers. I've not fed the wolves. I've not jumped into the wolves tank. But I, I like that little addition. Like that sounds that? like me. Yeah, it sounds like me. Yeah, something yeah. I say. I thought it sounded kind of like you. So anyway, <laughs> all right. Performance management. Let's start with. I mean, I know you've held up that book to me before. Let's start with like, what is performance management? Okay, so we got two two separate things here. For starting the chapter off, I think the first thing I do is tell them what it isn't, and what performance okay. management isn't is an annual performance review. Okay. That that is an annual review that that companies use to justify giving somebody a pay increase, and they also use it to document bad performers to fire you in the future. Right. So that's why I said in the right. first bullet, if you only do performance management once a year, you once fail. Once a year, you leader. fail. Right. Yeah, performance okay. management. Now, what is performance management? It's that ongoing conversation, telling people how they're doing, recognizing, you know, the, all the, like, the behavior, the processes, how, how they're doing it as an employee to get things done. They're, they're paid, and we, we talk about this in each book, like getting things done to add value. But you as the manager are making sure they're adding the most value and you're telling them when they're doing it right and when they're doing it wrong. Okay. Okay. All right. Good. So it's like this ongoing feedback story that's going on between you and your employees. Yeah. And, and the, I, I think there, there's this whole weird theory that people say, if I don't talk to you, you're doing fine. Well, yes. I, I think I that's the bosses like yes. that. I think that's horrible. I think if, I, if you don't talk to them, you're not helping your employee progress their career. You've decided that, that they're not worthy of of being progressed. And they're right. out by themselves. So so if they have no guidance, no feedback, they're going to go in 50 different directions and 49 of them are wrong. Yeah, that makes sense. Sure, sure. And it says if your performance management or like how you're evaluating a person, I think, is is – uh, where you're going is 80% negative. You should evaluate if you've got the wrong person in the job. Correct. So as you have these ongoing discussions and every time you talk with the person, there's things that are wrong, either the way they're doing things is wrong, the way they serve the customers wrong, what the data is, whatever their, their job is. If every time you're like 
coaching them because it's wrong and it doesn't get right, they don't get better, then you need to either find them a role that they're right for or get them out of the company. And the thing is, people are, are good at certain roles based on personality and everything. So if you're a data person and you don't like to talk to people, you probably shouldn't be in the customer service area. You should be in the data or, area. Or sales cu- or something. Yeah. Or sales. Or, there's something for your personality and for your skill set. Right. Right. Doesn't mean okay. you should fire them, which means maybe they're just in the wrong thing. And I've I've seen people who who've been coached before, like in the the analyst levels, who are terrible analysts, and they went to the HR generalist or the recruiting area and they did great jobs. They got promoted, became Directors and VPs of recruiting and HR generalists or directors of HR. Just data wasn't their thing. They just they just were in the wrong place, especially I think if they seem like a conscientious person and they care about doing a good job, but it's just not their jam. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So it says landing a plane is called a controlled crash. I've heard that terminology. Um, So is performance management. Help the team land their work clean and safely. So why did you use that analogy of landing a plane is called a controlled crash? Because when you're you're doing performance management with the employees, you're, you're helping them with their projects or work product it is. As long as it doesn't get out to the customer wrong, you're still flying the plane. You're trying to... Have, help it have a safe, safe landing so, so nobody says anything. Like with, with, with data, for example, where I work in the data world, we, you might run the data 10 times and eight times it came up wrong, but you found the errors, you worked together. But when the customer saw it, it's 100% accurate. So like on that part thing, protection and accuracy, we make sure the data is right. And there's right. a lot of, when there's so many formulas, then uh, it, it's gonna be wrong. And then even like even merchandising, when people are putting together store sets and de- designing stores, they go through about like 50 different variations. There's so many versions you go through for you to the final one. If, don't get upset at them if these employees don't get it right the first time. Help them, teach them, help them think. Right, right. Um, I, you know, this whole idea about, you know, making mistakes before it gets out to the country customer it reminds me of some of my coaching clients because some of them feel really bad when there's like typos or you know uh, misspelled words or something like that i'm like hey we're catching it now as long as we catch it before it gets printed and goes out to people as a book you're you're good you know <laughs> so yeah and, they, anyway. and you're still gonna have errors like the your career sanity i had it edited about let's see 15 guys looked at it you looked at it I had a professional right. editor look at it. I sent it to the publisher. They edited it. And then there was still a couple of typos that were found after I handed out 100 books. They're like, hey, did you know this is missing a colon and this is spelled wrong or something? Right. You're not going right. to get all the air. But the thing is, you're going to land the plane. Everybody's going to live. Everybody's going to be fine. And then you just get better at it. And one day in the landing the plane thing is, one day you're not going to be there for those employees. You might be in a meeting. You might be on vacation. And if you work with them and help them learn the, these things, then you can enjoy your time away and make sure that, and you know, the team is, is doing well. You have to worry about it. That's what performance management is. I think performance management is really to help you not worry. Right. Help you what? Network? Not worry. Oh, not worry. Okay. Okay. Yeah, if you're always talking about um, performance and deliverables and behaviors and how people are doing stuff, then you know things are going to be done right. 
right, right. Um, um, what was I going to say? It, oh, I know. Is, is there a point at which, Chris, you say, um, you know what? I've been over this with you like three times before and you're still not getting it. Like when you're just not quite as patient or understanding or whatever with them. Mm -hmm. We should we should have a chapter about write-ups. So we have a chapter about write-ups when you're an employee. We should have a chapter about write-ups as a manager. I think we have that way down, you know, in the higher well, numbers. Okay, yeah, I'd say one sentence. If it's not working, go to the write-up chapter. Right, right. And the okay. write-up chapter is going to be more about don't write people up unless you really, really have to. You're right, right. Well, we talked about that in the sanity game. You know, it's like it's the last thing a manager really wants to do anyway. So, yeah, anyway. so I think in, in this book, it'll be from, from the manager view, what are the techniques you should put together to not write somebody up? Right, right. Yeah. Okay, good, good. And then you said performance management done wrong creates a team that does not work together. How does that jibe? How does that work? Or not when you once a year and, and everybody's getting a rating, you only have so many top performers, you have to have a bottom performer. Well, nobody's gonna work, nobody's gonna help people out because they're gonna end up uh, not being the top performer. You said something about like if they're graded, it wasn't on a curve, but it was something else, some way of grading them. Like you could only have 10% top performers, yeah. or uh, how does that work? Refresh well, my memory. What companies do is they give you 10% top performers, 20% next level, 50% or 60% in the middle, and then up to 10% bottom performers. And then the bottom right. performers get no pay increase, and everybody else gets pay increases. So the whole performance management isn't really about performance, it's about distributing pay. So if you're going to pin the team against each other, then they're not going to want to work together. Okay. Okay, yeah, that's the important. Thing, the thing, I, I don't know how we're going to put this in here, but it, it's the way I always got around it is I always talked to the employees. We put our goals together at the beginning of the year. We didn't wait till mid-year. Like we In January, we were locked and loaded in all our accomplishments and things that we had to get done for the year. And then we, I, I sat down with my manager and said, this is what we're going to do. This is what top performance looks like. This is what middle performance looks like. And this is how bottom performance looks like. And if we hit this, this is what I'm going to rate these people. And he's like, that's fine, because we agreed to the beginning of the year. You can't tell people do this stuff and be a top performer and then say, well, I don't have enough room for top, to rate you as a top performer. Right. People right. care more about being rated correctly with their performance since they've been doing it all year long than a measly 1% increase in pay. They, they prefer the honesty than the pay. They might get mad and for a week or two, but they'll spend six months being mad if you rate them wrong. Right. And then I remember us having conversations on um, Sanity Game where you said, well, you know, um, you know, like someone asks, well, why am I not considered a top performer here? I was in my previous work. And they, well, being a top performer here takes more than over there, you know. So, correct. Anyway, it sounds yeah, the a little thing, The other thing we talked about is when you have when you have a team and, and you tell them how to be a top performer, and because of your your uh, dumb uh, company policies, you can't rate them as top performers to be top performers. Uh, top performers that get a middle rating end up becoming mediocre performers because they're tired of trying. They give up. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you end up losing them. So.
yeah. eventually. So anyway. Yeah. All right. Two pages, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there is there anything more you want to make sure to include on performance management? I don't think so. I think the big thing around it, instead of sitting there and dogging the, the process, is really to this is this is a new manager. And the, the big flaw I see in new managers is that they're in this role and they don't know that they're supposed to talk to their team. They, they think they're supposed to babysit the team. No, you're supposed to talk about performance and what behavior makes better performance. I'm typing this out. That's why I have good ideas. Yeah, I'm not going to get lost in the weeds on all these you know, percentages and everything. I just was kind of reviewing it with you. So anyway, we're going to keep it simple because like you said, this is a new manager reading mm -hmm. this. Okay, good. So the next chapter here, um, chapter four, I've already started working on, you know, over the weekend and everything. Um, okay, so then chapter five, is survive then thrive and uh you gave me a bunch of information when we talked last wednesday about this idea of like taking on projects that are kind of above your pay grade a little bit mm -hmm. to sort of you know pave the way for you to move up into another role um you know so that's a good thing to inc include and then here you've written you must see yourself as a manager what does it take to see yourself as a manager you have to stop doing the things that you used to do. It's, it's like, uh, what's it, those weight loss programs, you know how to lose weight? Stop eating crappy food. Do a little bit more exercise. You don't need to pay a billion dollars to lose weight. I could lose some weight, but you know what? I like crappy food, so I don't see myself as a skinny guy. Right, right. So, it's, so sort of, What's that? So it's action-oriented. It was, it's don't do your other job. You just were promoted from a role of a, a, a cashier to the head of cashiers. Well, you shouldn't be doing cashier work or from, I don't know, a, a engineering engineer to the manager of engineers. Well, you should be managing the engineers and not doing their job. So you need to see yourself and start working at that level. Right. And then then no. to survive also, you know, what environment do you create? How do you treat your employees? We, we kind of talk about this throughout the book. It's, you know, do you, re, do you treat them with respect? Do you make it a fun place? Do you make it enjoyable? Do you take them to lunch? Which is one of the chapters. Right. And if you can't, this is just the basic to, to survive. You can't survive as a manager if you're doing a lower level job. Your boss will see that. They're going to put you back in that job. They're going to fire you and hire somebody else who can do your job because they didn't hire you, promote you to a manager to do your other job. Right. You know, one of the examples you talked about in Chapter 2 is somebody who's like a cashier and then they're promoted to an assistant manager, for example. I hear more times about people, they're like, well, we still want you to be a cashier, but you need to take on the management role as well. It's like, how do you how do you feel about that or how do you balance you, that? You need to get better at, at getting your team trained and delegating. Okay. Okay. And there, right. there are times when you're going to have to step down to the role. Like sure. as, a, as a VP of total rewards, there are times when I'd go and I'd build the Excel file. But if I'm spending 80% of my time building Excel files and doing analyst type work, then I'm not a vice president. I'm an analyst, just paid a lot of money. And the company's going right. to see it and they're going to say, wow, we hired you to be a manager. You're not talking to your people. You're not developing, helping your 
team develop. You're not providing better services. You're what you are is just a in your old role and you're kind of helping other people. You're an overpaid analyst. So you're an overpaid analyst and you don't want that. Right. I think you put it in the, in the other chapter that I read about. Uh, I can pay a bunch of people to do that work, the Excel stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. You create an environment where employees want to come to work. So you said, you know, kind of like making it fun and making it interesting and stuff like that. Well, and that makes and, it's a, it's a, well you also just to make them want to come to work is, is take away the pain, the negativity, the arguing, the screaming, the lack of trust. Right. Take away the pain. I like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, and then you said the quicker you transition to manager and stop stocking shelves or cashiering or doing whatever, the better your chances are to thrive. Correct. So once you're a manager, now you become a better manager. You threaten when your when your teams and your relationships go great, and you have these great relationships with your team. Well, then they're going to produce more. They're going to do better. They're going to want to do better. Right. Right. Good, because you t- you're taking away the pain. You're making it a place where people trust each other. You're making yeah. it a place where people want to come to work, you know. And I don't know. I mean, I know I only sent it to you like an hour or two ago, but somewhere in there I said, uh, you know, when, um, you know, make it a place where people want to go the extra mile and work harder, mm-hmm. right? So, okay. So under the word thrive, you wrote uh, the value-based relationship you have with your team will help you survive. The value-based relationship the team has with each other will help you thrive. How do you sort of encourage or foster that relationship the team has with each other? The team has to know that they're not in competition with each other. That there's plenty of room in either this company or a different company to progress your career, do whatever the heck you want to do. There's no reason to hold things back and to bring people down. When you bring people down, you go down with them. I mean, you can't hold somebody and push them down a hill and then not grab you. Right. Like right. Jack and Jill went down the hill. They, they didn't go down one at a time and say, Jill pushed Jack and on the mountain. Okay. All right. Um, and then you wrote, um, inner team fighting will negatively impact everyone's career sanity and success. That kind of makes sense, but tell me a little bit more. Sure. If, if uh, you're sitting there backstabbing your team to other people outside the team, well, then the rest of the world thinks your team doesn't work well which now puts negative opinions about your team. Uh, when you're not helping other people, then you know they don't want to work with you. The, the more you get them to work together and the, the less drama that other teams see, the better everybody's going to be. It, it's like, I think we talked about in the first book, your, uh, the, the sanity game. That's, things kill me. And uh, let's see. I just saw the train of thought just got a message. <laughs> Rethink, okay. rewind. Well, you, so, you, uh, you were saying the more you get them to work together and from outside the team, people are not seeing the drama and then the phone went off. Yeah, so so, so we'll, it's okay for a team to fight 
as long as the team is fighting and no, nobody else sees us. When I think in the Sandy game, we have a little segment about when my team would fight behind closed doors, we'd walk out like we're best friends. We might just had a, a battle in there, but it was nobody's business. Right. That that to me is thriving. We're able to, even though we're mad at each other, we're still protecting everybody's back. Everybody on the team has been promoted. I, I think um, what's her name? Monica became a senior director. That's her last job. Janet, who was the the old bird, she uh, I hired and hired I inherited her at fifty two. She went out and got the team helped her get her bachelor's degree, then her master's, and now she's uh, I think account manager, which is fun. That's what she wanted. Uh, Marcy's making tons of money. Jess is now an associate director of HR total rewards. So the, and the team still helps each other. Right. So maybe while they were like, you know, like fighting together, maybe they're like thrashing out how a project should be done or how yeah. something should come together. Yeah. I think in the thrive world, if your team is thriving, they understand that thrashing is okay. Having a, a heated discussion is fine. It's just, we're doing this for the betterment of the team. Right. 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 So spirited conversations. <laughs> spirited or mean, I do whatever. It's just keep it on the team. Once it goes outside the team, your team looks bad. One backstabbing of one team member makes everybody question the rest of the team. And question you as a manager. And I would say 90% of teams probably sit there and backstab each other. My team had advanced forever in the, in the the sanity game. I mentioned that I had this boss who, after I'd go on vacation, would try to dig his claws in while I was gone. They would never tell him anything. They, he thought we had a cult. We never called. We just protected each other. Right, right. Yeah, you you told me uh, when we were working on sanity game that it was like really important to keep everyone like working together. So the only thing the, the world outside of your team heard was what was good going on and how things were coming together and not see any cracks or anything like that. It's like they were dealt with on the inside. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. And then it says, when your team is thriving, they will do more and share improvement ideas without being asked. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And if you really stuff, so you walk by somebody's desk or somebody's, talking to them, I'm doing this. They're not going to wait to be asked, should I do this better? They'll say, hey, have you thought of this? And you as a recipient of, hey, have you thought of this, will not be offended by it. You're like, oh, they're just trying to help me. Okay. Okay, good. Good, good. Well, they'll share improvement ideas without it being asked. So that means they'll go and say, you know, hey, I got this idea for how we can do this, and it'll save maybe 20% of our time or whatever. Yeah. You know? Right. Okay. All right. And then you as a manager determine the environment for your team. When the environment is thriving, everyone below or above you have a much greater chance of success. That's great. That kind of wraps it up with a bow. Is there anything more that you want to say about that? Not now. I mean, after we write it, we'll see. Probably something. We'll see. We'll, we'll see, see where it goes. Okay. All right. Good. Good. So I have quite a bit of information from that between our last conversation and this one. And then um, chapter number seven is get rid of bad behavior. Um, and you refer to it as babysitting. 
Um, you said when you babysit, you're watching a child to make sure they don't destroy the house. God, I babysat a lot in high school, you know. Mm -hmm. um, all right. And but you don't want to be babysitting employees. I mean, they're adults. They're supposed to be able to handle their they're own adults. thing. But if you're worried about about them uh, and you're babysitting, make sure they don't destroy the business. You might need new employees. If you're afraid somebody's go shoot somebody, you got to get rid of that person. Or, or you're a micromanager. Or you're micromanaging. You should be micromanaging. Either. Good point. You know. So how do you how do you know the difference between you know like uh, whether wait a minute I need to just kind of like back up and give people space to do their thing or you know what there's really a problem I got to get rid of this person. I think that. The, how do you know the difference compared to babysitting? If, if I'm babysitting a, a four-year-old and I leave the house for uh, five hours, I have meetings, what do I expect to come back to? They painted the walls, they spilled ice cream all over the place, they burnt, burnt down the uh, kitchen. If that's how your employees act, then you probably don't need them. You should be able to trust them. Babysitting is, I think babysitting is non-trusting. You don't trust people. That's, you don't trust right. a four-year-old to not kill himself. So if you don't trust your employees, you're babysitting them. So you need to build right. that trust and relationship that we talked about in the other chapter. Right. Right. So if you're if you're watching employees to make sure they don't destroy the business, you need new employees. That makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, your role is to extract the greatest amount of value from your team. You get there by giving up more control and having a trusting relationship with them. So that means the more, if, if they're good at what they do, sort of like the more you back off and let them do their thing, you know, and then of course you got to balance that with sort of training and teaching them how to do their job a little bit better, mm -hmm. the more yeah. you'll get from them. How do you find yeah. that balance? How do you find that balance? What's up? Hmm. Well, they're adults. I don't know how to find the balance. I just expect it. Jeez. How you expect you it. Okay. I, well, I pretty much expect it. I think to extract more out of your team, you're correct. There's training, but it's not your role as a manager to train the people. It's your role as a manager to offer training and then to their role to train themselves. They either get training from you or they can go to these classes or whatever training that they need. And I hear okay. sometimes, well, my, my uh, company doesn't offer training. Well, so what? Go to YouTube. Go to all these con universities and free universities. Your employees should be offered that. And you as a manager should know about them. So you should be telling them about these. Hey, here's some great training for you. If they're, if they're not willing to do the training, because I don't get trained, let's get paid. Well, then they're screwing their own career up. Everybody should be getting trained. Okay, because what we said in, in chapter one is, you know, a big part of your job is to help them be better at what they do. Like, you know, you use the yeah. example of Excel. So what does that look like? Is that kind of sitting down with them and saying, hey, let me show you a, fa a better way to do such and so? Or, no. or how does that look? What does that look like? It, it's more of if I need to show them something, I'll show them something. But them being naturally curious and researching it so they can learn themselves. There's great sites out there for Excel, like MrExcel.com, right? Where you can where you can go and and learn new tricks, or you can talk to other people. The, the manager is not the sole trainer. 
I would, I would guess 90 plus percent of the training just come from outside the manager. The manager should be offering you training and ideas to get better at it. But they're, my job is to manage you, manage the processes, not necessarily be your trainer. Okay. Okay. Does that make All sense? Right. Like okay. I have to be helping you. If you have a question, I'd say, like, hey, Chris, how do we do this vision basic? Yes, I'll go and I'll help you out. It'll be a five-minute exercise. But if you're like, hey, I'd like to learn more how to design Excel better and do all this stuff. Well, that's a five-hour class. It'll take me five sure, hours to show sure. you. Sure. Sure. So go, go to Mr. Tell them about Mr. Excel on YouTube or, you Yeah, know, Mr. Excel, like, whatever, whatever your craft is, there's, there's all these great organizations. We talked about it in, in the first book, the early edition of joining all these organizations like SHRM and American Compensation Association, American uh, Accountants Association, whatever these things are. Those are organizations, not just so you put something on your resume. It's Those are training organizations. They send out magazines and emails and all kinds of stuff to train you. So, the, you know, the other thing is there's all kinds of online training. Like I took a um, six-week class in psychology from Yale University, 50 bucks. I remember. You know? And you sent me an email recently for a training thing, but I'll be on the road, so I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, that's for um, the speaking thing, RV Robinson. You yeah, know, it's only 50 bucks. I, I do tell the employees in the, the early edition that they should pay for their own training if the company doesn't. So I don't think in this part we we say anything about paying. We just say offer them where they can get training. Right. If the company pays right. for it, great. If not, there's lots of free resources. Right. Right. Okay. Good. Keep the team challenged. What do yeah. you what well, do you talk well, about well, that? Well, with more difficult projects, if they did create this thing, give them better, better things. People like to be challenged. You know, uh, as you get challenged, that's how you, I think it, when you get challenged, your career goes better. You get better career progression because you've done more difficult things. And it, it, it's more rewarding than at the end you get a plaque. You know, when you, when you, okay, so let's see, how can I say this? I'm saying too much. If you're in the military, Okay, and you got a purple heart. You know what that is? Yep. It's you, you're wounded in a battle. Right. You know the last thing that the military person would talk about with his brothers about that purple heart? Receiving it. They never talk about receiving the, the medal. They always talk about the battle. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, remember we're in Fallujah, and oh, we're, we're under fire for five hours, and did all this stuff, and, you know, Together as a team, I got shot, John got shot, but man, we, we won, we came together, rah, 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 rah. They talk about the challenge, the journey. Never they say, oh, and then I got a purple heart. It never serves. And it was that. this and it was this great ceremony and blah blah blah. <laughs> well the ceremonies are lame. Have you, have you seen a purple heart ceremony and part of one? Have, I'm sorry? Have you ever seen a purple heart ceremony? Um, no, I haven't. My dad got one in Korea, but that was before I was born. So. He, he got it in Korea, correct? He didn't come back here. They didn't have a big dinner. They finished the battle. He was wounded. He was probably in the hospital. And his commanding officer came and gave him a Purple Heart. It took five right. minutes or less. Congratulated him. Thank you for his service. And moved on to the next guy. It took probably, five minutes yeah. with Purple Heart. That is why the military men never talk about the Purple Heart. A lot of them have them, but nobody talks about it. Because the Purple Heart doesn't matter. What mattered was a challenge and being with your team and being successful. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. I should Good. put that in there, but we could say that without saying the word military. Some people get upset about that stuff. Why do you think someone would get upset about military? Uh, they just, some people just get, I, I, I think, I, I know why I deal with these people all the time, is because they may have a purple heart and they don't want anybody to know about it because they've, they've killed people. My, my, dad was, my dad was actually very secretive about it. You know, yeah, so, I yeah. didn't, I didn't learn about it till I was a teenager. So. Yeah. Anyway. One of my clients, I think I shared with you, Susan Kelleher, her husband, uh, John Kelleher is a Brigadier General of the U S Marines. And he's in charge of helicopter flight, but he's flown all over the world to bomb people. And I'm pretty sure he's killed lots of people. So he never talks about it and he's still there. Got it. But then, Got then it. I think, I think any kind of time you, you bring up military wars and stuff, unless you're in the military, they don't want to talk to you. Unless you've been there. Okay. See, because I was thinking about starting the chapter with something about the Purple Heart as like an example. No? You don't want me to? No, no, no. That, that gets in trouble. Okay. I, I, would, right. I would use that something else. Um, uh, I'll come up with something. Year. A team of the year, and you get a plaque. It took you 10 I'll minutes to get the plaque, but nobody talks about the plaque or getting the plaque. They always talk about the journey to get there. I, I'll... I'll come up with something because I want to kind of keep like, you know, the example of like the prime rib and the wolves and losing a couple fingers. I mean, I want to keep it, you know, kind of fun like that. So anyway. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Set set goals that provide guidance as to how achievement is possible. Yes. Um, so I like that. Goal, yeah. With the goal setting, <clears throat> when, when you babysit somebody, you're like, Okay, I want you to color the lines. I want you to do this, this, and this. Pretty lame. When, when you're a running a business, you can't just talk like these really high-level goals. We're going to kick the competition's butt. We're going to double our sales. Well, what does that mean? How right. are you going to do that? So you take your goals down a few levels. We're going to grow sales by 20%. How are we going to do this? We have a new product line. Well, how do we get a new product line? We have these people working on the product line, and this is how we're going we're gonna to build some new marketing. Enough in the goals that they understand the direction of which where you want to go. Just saying I'm going to double sales or increase retention, all this stuff without any goals below that are meaningless. So if I said you set goals where you break it down into strategies and then break it down into tactics, would that be somewhat accurate? Well, that would work. It's like with the part thing. Accuracy is number two all the time. Well, the way that we do accuracy, well, our goal is be accurate 100% of the time. Well, that's a great goal. What does that mean? Well, that means that we're going to build check systems in there. When we build a bonus program, the other goal is to build a double checking system so that when the, the numbers run, we can run them three different ways to make sure they make sense. And then right. we're going to have a visual basic that will do this or that. And we build all these things into our goals, and then we build them. Right. Okay. Okay. And then career progression, this just makes sense. Career progression comes from ongoing and more difficult challenges. Um, and again, you got to, you know, like trust them to give them more difficult challenges. Correct. That's right. And you skip one set check in times to provide schedule reviews. So it, oh, uh, you're right. So this was just a, a rehash of the last book where I told the, the employee in their first day or two to ask the manager, how would you like to have catch up times? How do you want to get reviewed? How, when do you want to meet? You as a manager, employees don't do that. So 
unless I read my book, of course, those employees will do it. But the rest of the employees you didn't, the nine billion, you need to tell them, all right, here's what I want to do. I'm the new manager and let's set up a schedule. I want to meet with you every Wednesday at 11 o'clock or Monday or whatever to go over things. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't this go, um, that particular bullet go in the performance management chapter? Uh, maybe. I, well, that's, I think, is there, let's go to the chapters. I don't have a list of them. This is, what we're talking about is number seven right now. I think it goes, I think that would go in performance management. It could. But it works on one of the other uh, uh, chapters too. At some point, we have to tell the manager that they have to meet with their team. I, in, the, in the sanity game, I mentioned how a, a VP always met with his team on Friday, and I always meet with my team on Friday because then that sets us up for the next week. Okay. All right. I moved it into performance management. I just, you know, I mean, who knows? I might move it back, but right now that just seems to make sense. Um, and then chapter eight here, which you gave me notes. Thank you very much. Uh, lead them to the river. Setting goals oh, yeah, with that's a Billy Joel song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's kind of like a slow, soulful kind of song of his, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. All right. So, some of that goal stuff we talked about in that last chapter um, may go in here better. Or maybe it's setting up the schedule with these people. So, that we actually just talked about all that. So, maybe that, that everything goes in this chapter. We just combine two chapters. Okay. All right. Yeah, because then we've got room for something else. So, okay. So you want to combine this into chapter well, seven? Well, we have two separate chapters, does I think I think this is enough material under the babysitting of don't babysit people, and this one lead them to the river is really about goal setting and meeting. Right. Right. Okay. Setting goals with instruction. Oh, go ahead. Setting goals with instructional points yields better results than lofty goals. That's what you were just talking about in terms of, oh, we're going to double sales. No, it's like break it down more yeah, in, this and, year, and how it's going to happen. Yeah, so the next poll says this year we will beat the competition. It's meaningless. Right. No sure, instruction. Sure. Will it increase customer 20%? Deliver cleaner stuff. Those will be better goals, but now you need to go deeper. Right. When you say when you say go deeper, are you talking about like more instructional tactics? Yeah, more tactical goals. More tactical goals. Okay. So we want clean delivery of an upsell conversation with the customer. You go to your car dealer and you want to sell the fancy wax. Well, you might need to have some training about the product. So to have standard delivery, our goal is to train everybody by March. We want to have a test in April. So whatever the uh, that goal is, you got to go at least one step that deeper. I think when, when I think of goals, I'm always looking at three steps deep. What's the overall goal? Accuracy. What's the next goal? Double checking. What's the next goal? Below that, double checking. What went on? Okay. So every goal should, that's high should have like a few goals lower. So that it's like almost like a roadmap to how do you get to that top goal to increase customer interaction by 20%. This is how we're going to do it. And here are the goals to achieve each one of them. Right. So you're thinking with, with far greater depth, 
you know, than just, you know, rah, rah, we're going to do 50% more or whatever. So anyway, mm -hmm. okay. All right. When leading clarity about what is critical and what is not important. If everything is critical, then nothing really is. Yeah. Okay. Good. I like that. That that is so true. You you know you hear oh this yeah. is important and that's important and the other thing's important. I've been in you know? meetings like that. They're like what what are we what are we gonna do? Well, everything is so important. All right. So I'll be here for ten hours today. What do you need done first? I mean, there's there's if you have ten things to do, you only do one at a time. What's the first one? That's probably the most critical. So, What's the last so one? So prioritize. They all might be important, but you can only do one thing at a time. Right. Do you do that thing where you kind of, you know, I've seen this done where people have a um, like a thing with quadrants where they go, well, this is important, but it's not urgent. So it goes down the list. This one is both important and urgent. So it goes up high, much higher on the list. I, I've done that before. It's, it's called the uh, the BCG matrix. I what it's called Boston Consulting Group matrix. It was done like in the 80s. And then they changed it around. I think it's called what? the BCG, Boston Consulting Group. Oh, Matrix. Okay. Now look it up. All right. Gross share matrix. Yeah, so it's, they have what's a star? What's a question mark? What's a dog? What's a cash cow? Whatever uses these four quadrants. So they're the ones who first uh, designed it. Do you like that or not? I think you'd have to write five chapters on it for people to understand it. But if you can get in a, a paragraph, sure, try it. Okay. All right. I'm gonna do my best to get in a paragraph because personally I like it. I think it's I think it's valuable. So anyway. All right. All right. Next. Providing directives in the form of a question is confusing. Can you run an analysis? weakens the request and gives the team the chance to say no. So it's like, say, I want you to run an analysis rather than can you run an analysis? Yeah, I hate the word can. My wife does this all the time. It drives me up the wall. We go to a restaurant, she says, can I have the scampi? I'm like, Kristen, we're buying the scampi. We can have whatever we want. Stop asking them <laughs> right. for permission to buy a $50 dinner. It drives me nuts. Like, right. we are here, you tell them what you want. That is what leadership is. I want you to run analysis on turnover. I want you to blow up 50 balloons. Because we said, can you run analysis on this? Well, sure I can. But you're not, you're not telling them to do it. You're just asking, can you? I want right. you, and, and then say, this is what I want. And the analysis are over. Then I'll put up. What other things should we put into add value? Which is going to make it, what's going to make it better? This is coming out of my head. What does your head say? I think it's I think it's a much more clear form of communication, um, but but people do that all the time. Like you know, can you do blah blah blah? It's like, well, I could, but I'm really busy today or whatever. So trained to be so polite. If we're too, if we're so polite, then nothing gets done. And then Which the other thing, insanity. I don't know if we put this in here because this drives me nuts too. Because my wife does this, I tell her all the time, stop doing this. So I have two kids. And let's say you have a team of eight people and you say, I was wondering what was going on with this, 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 and this, 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 Madison. And you say their name at the end. Well, they're not fully paying attention. When you're talking to somebody at a group meeting, their name should come first. Madison, 
what's going on with the turnover analysis? I heard it was going really bad. People are really mad at us. But if you say, I wonder what's going on with the, what's going on with the turnover analysis, people are really mad at us, Madison. The name is placed wrong. They're not paying attention. Right. Get their attention up front. Stop saying, can you do this? And stop putting your name last and your communication will get a lot better and they'll know exactly where to go with the river. Sure. Sure. Well, and, and, you know, in the San, in the sanity game book, you talked about, um, you know, communicating in ways that are sane versus insane. Do you want to bring that into this book at all? Well, you could mention it, I guess. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. The, the actual, I, the lady of the river is the wrong thing. It's called the river of dreams. What's that? The Billy Joel song. Oh, okay. All right. River of Dreams. Yes, I remember that song. So. The reason I, I use this song that is in my mind about it, and I, I didn't remember the words or anything until just now, so I looked it up, is it's just like it's a jazzy song. It feels good. You're kind of walking along. You bouncy, where you're going. Bouncy. bouncy. People are there with you. You know, it, it works perfectly. This is what you should be doing. You should be, you know, walking down in the middle of the night, walking in your sleep. If you're walking in your sleep, you know where you're going. Anyways. Right. Who knows? I, I, my attempt to make music cool again. Yeah. Right. Is there anything else you want to add about leading them to the river? I mean, it's a lot because now you want me to combine it with chapter seven. So now no, this is two, I think you have two separate chapters, one about babysitting. And what about right. goal setting? Oh, okay, because so, you said earlier, combine the two. Okay, let me take that. Oh, I just combine the goal stuff into chapter eight. Got it. Got I it. Think this okay. is, I think the lead to the river thing, which we will actually a better title. This is like really important about goal setting because people suck at goal setting. And the other thing they do, they never write it down. Like, we want to do this. Well, write your goals down. Put them on the wall. You know, tattoo them on your arm if you want to. If you, if you don't write them down, you're not going to accomplish them. I think we said that, but somebody said that. Maybe so it's do, you want, do you want to call this chapter goal setting instead of lead them to the river? Yeah, we'll call it goal setting. We'll, we'll make jazzier titles later. Okay. But for now, let's call it goal setting because then we got a better sense of the, the contents. So. Okay. All right. What I was thinking, if you're okay with it, is talking about chapter six, since we have about 15 minutes left. Um, it's called Lunches Go a Long Way. And I, what I was thinking is, I remember in the Sanity Game book, you also talked about having meetings with people where you just go for a walk. You know, I wonder if you'd yeah, maybe want to combine those two ideas. Yeah, that, that, that worked perfectly. The cool thing about lunches is I used to just said advanced auto parts and it cost me $15 per employee. And because I gave the lunches to these people, they gave extra effort. And let's say they gave me an extra 10 hours per week, hypothetically. So that's 40 hours in the month. So if I divide those out, I officially was paying them $37.50 for that extra work per hour. What a bargain. Buy people right. food, they work harder for you. And it only costs you, as a manager, about 38 cents. 
if you did what I did. I mean, you can do less. You can do ice cream. You can do anything. I mean, food brings people together. It's good just to sit there and have community. You know, Thanksgiving, the, the biggest racist holiday now, I guess, that was all about bringing people together. Birthday parties, bring people together happy. Anniversaries, even funerals, except for white funerals. Black funerals, have you ever been to one of those? I never have. Oh, you should go to a black have. funeral. If you have any, make sure you get some black friends so when they die, you go to their funeral. It's a party. I went to this one funeral. It was this really old black dude in Elmira. I used to be one of my, my customers at Ponderosa. And I'm like, I'm 18. I was 19. I was a freshman in college. And I walk in there and I got like the black suit on, thinking, oh, it's going to be sad. You know, uh, Mr. Peterman died. And <clears throat> everybody's in the church. Everybody's dressed up. And the pastor does a little sermon stuff. And he goes up to the casket and he says, go home. Slams the casket top down. Says, now it's time to celebrate his life. They started pumping the music up. We went to the reception hall. Everyone's like jamming. And food brings community, except at white funerals. We just like to cry and talk about bad things. Black folk, they like to party. The last time I went to a funeral, I think this was like three years ago, um, this couple, he, he was a lot younger than she was, you know. And so anyway, she passed away like three years ago. And they did. They had the thing in the church. And then, I mean, they had a party. I mean, people were dancing. They had a live band. I mean, there was food up the yin-yang. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's I mean, what was. lunch is for. Lunch is to bring you together, have community. So, yes, you're a team, but you're also a closer team. And you'll work harder together because now you know more about each other. It's enjoyable. You, you, you have, well, it's a transactional friendship at work. It's a better transactional friendship. You know you're going to look out for each other. You generally don't go out to lunch with people you hate. You, you what with people you hate? You generally do not go out to lunch with people you hate. True. And it's true. hard to hate people when your lunch is free and you're with them all the time. And so when you take someone to lunch, are you talking about work or are you just kind of like getting to know about them and their kid on the soccer yeah. team or a combination? So when I used to do it, with, when I had a team and I, we'd go out to lunch once a month, we had it scheduled. We talked for maybe 15 or 20 minutes about work, what's going on. And then we just like sit there and talk about anything. It was just us coming together and enjoying time. And that, and that could be, if you re, remember the, uh, your career, or the Sanity game, uh, I mentioned how my team, net, or maybe it wasn't that book, I forget what book it was. But I mentioned how I never had turnover. And then when I left, they came and followed me. Right. That's why when we had community, we had lunches, we had dinners, we had a party at my house. Right. And right. I, I was always ready to top perform. But here's a funnier thing. So my last year at Advanced Auto Parts, we had a great bonus. And let's figure that I spent $2,000 on food for the team. Well, since I was a top performer, I got more of a bonus. My target bonus was like forty thousand. I ended up with seventy. So I spent two to three thousand dollars, and then got another thirty thousand for it. Quite a return. That's great ROI. <laughs> yeah, and then you look at look at the promotions I've had, taking care of the team, being up from my manager times at Home Depot and doing the lunches and the team gatherings. I was a director, I was a VP, and then in two thousand sixteen, I made nine hundred thousand bucks. I didn't make that because of me. I did it. I made it because of the team.
Okay, good. Very good. And then anything different about walking from lunches out? Because I mean, I don't know. I mean, walking is it's good as a one-on-one -on -one meeting. I don't think you can do it as a team because everybody's like all over the place. When you're walking with a one-on-one -on -one and you're just having a walking meeting, I mean, you're outside, you're enjoying the weather, it's nicer, it's non-threatening. So you just walk, it's, it's good. Good exercise too. Yeah, right, get some steps in. Good. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. It's better one on one because, you know, you always have people who like, you know, forge out ahead of the group or people that lag behind a few steps. And, mm -hmm. you know, so anyway. OK, it's a non-threatening environment. Get some steps in. Uh, I think it also builds community with just you and the person. But you'll probably talk about other things. It doesn't have to be all about work. At least you're outside doing something. Right. Anything more you'd like to say about um, the idea of, you know, I mean, basically what you're talking about is meetings outside of the office, really. But I think with lunches, you're talking about meetings, but also just building a better community, getting that team to work together better. The, the whole book, I think, as I, as I think about it, as we talk about it, it's, it's really a book on how to get your team to work better together. Seems that way. If you look at the chapters, if you recognize people, that's chapter nine. It, it uh, your team works better if you give them goals. Live in the river, the goal setting. You make a better team. You get rid of bad behavior. A better team. Let's right, go along. Right. Right. Get a better team. Right. Performance All management. Get a better team. All roads lead to Rome. So anyway, all right. Well, this gives me quite a bit to work on for the next, I don't know, week, week and a half. You had a, you had out of town on uh, Wednesday, right? You're going to Missouri and some other places. Yeah. So I'm, I'll leave Wednesday, hit Missouri Thursday, and then probably spend Thursday night and Saturday in Chicago and then okay. pick the family up in Madison, Wisconsin on Sunday. And then I'll be on vacation for a week. Uh, in Matt and uh, Wisconsin Dells. Oh yeah, I haven't been there since I was a kid. So anyway. <laughs> hasn't changed much. <laughs> okay, so it's, when it's, do you when do you get back home? Well, yeah, when I get back home, I, I don't get back home until April. So we can. Oh wow. Okay, so we need to meet even while you're on a trip. Is that okay? Yeah, that, that's fine. So if I I look at my okay. calendar here. And we can meet the week of the 14th. Okay. Uh, when we you well, have anything scheduled. I know we're going to go like to Door County and Washington Island and stuff. Okay. All right. So um, let's pick a day when you're going to be, when you think you're, you know, like be pretty settled and everything. Um, how about like Wednesday the 17th, St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, that's fine. Is that okay? Works for me. Okay. Earlier the better, I think, on this because I probably want to go places. But you know, okay. their kids they don't wake up. Right, right. Okay. Well, how about that? That's Central Time, same as Texas. How about nine o'clock uh, Wisconsin time or ten sure. o'clock Wisconsin time? Nine o'clock. Let's do nine o'clock. Let me go to my calendar. Go Wednesday. Wednesday. 
What is this? Oh, I know who he is. Okay, wait, hold on. It's, I'm on the wrong Wednesday. That's the 10th. Uh, I mean, Wednesday. Pink Patty's Day. All right, 9 o'clock. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day. I will wear my green scarf that day. Um, okay, let me just put here. Will be in Wisconsin. Okay. And are you guys going to stay at like a resort or an Airbnb or? Yeah, we'll, we'll be at a resort so I can find a place to hide. To hide. Okay. All right. Now we're going to get set so it'll be easier to talk. Sure, sure. Okay. All right. Good. Anything, um, any last minute thoughts you want to add before we both take off? What do you think of this book so far compared to other ones? I like it. I like, you know, I like the fact that we're kind of like drawing back on like Sanity Game and the other books because it makes it kind of congruent and that's going to create flow. And it's also going to create sales back to your other books, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I, I think you're really right when you say the whole thing just kind of boils down to how do you get people to work better together, you know? Yeah. So that's that's really it in a nutshell. So, anyway, yeah. So that's what I'm hoping. I think if you if we do it right, somebody can buy the whole set of the books. Let's say in two years we're done, and they get it from sunset to or sunrise to sunset. And it's five books, and they can buy it and give it to somebody as a gift set. Right, right. They call that a bundle. A bundle, sure. Yeah, a bundle. So anyway, well, listen, I won't talk to you so, till you're in Wisconsin. So drive safe. I know you're going to like uh, Missouri and then Colorado and to have one-on-one -on -one <laughs> meetings with people and everything. So, um, you know, have great meetings and drive safe and everything. And I'll talk to you on St. Patrick's Day. Thank you. I'll talk to you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.